Shalom and Berkashem. I'm back for it part two. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I left out in part one. So this is the unofficial part two. So I would like to reopen again with the blessing before Torah and um, share with you, with the help of Hashem, more stuff that I don't get sidetracked on. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Barchar Banu Mikol Hamim Venatan Lanu Et Torato Baruch Atah Adonai Noten HaTorah Amen Amen So, Parsha Behar Behukotai um, From the Midrash Tehillim of Get You Some, the big green book this week's uh, Tehillim is, either comes from 105 or 112 because this is a double portion. So, you know, you get a double portion of Psalms. So, what I really like is Tehillim 112 because this is said to be the Tehillim that is devoted to Abraham. Just like Mishlei 31, Proverbs 31, is the proverb that's devoted to Sarah. So, one who does the uh, prayers on Arab Shabbat uh, and they do Proverbs 31 and if they want to because it's optional it's not really written into the Seder of Arab but if you want to bless your husband you would recite uh, either Psalms 1 or 112 so just my preference to be 112 because you know Abraham was like cool and why was he cool well if you read Tehillim 112 Verse 1, it says, Hallelujah, Ashrei Ish, Yare et Adonai, Be mitvotav, Chafetz Me'od. Chafetz Me'od. I want to key in on that, but let me read it in English. Praise Hashem. Fortunate is the man who fears Hashem and desires his mitzvot immensely. Okay, so that is Be'mitvotav Chafetz Me'od Be'ivrit. Doing a quick gematria check here. That's 48, 50, 50, the Jubilee, year of rejoicing. I was looking at the first letter of each of those words. That's the Bet, the Chet, and the Mem. And that makes the uh, gematria of 50, likened to the, uh, the Jubilee. While I have the book of numbers here, I totally thought I wasn't going to swerve. I'm so sorry. When it comes to numbers, sorry. I'm just all about that. So, 50 Torah. Because, you know, we got a 50 coming up. Why, why not? So, to delight immensely in the mitzvot is like Abraham and the Midrash Tehillim is bringing this down. And now I'm in the book of the Jewish wisdom of the numbers. It says under 50 that 50 means all the way. And uh, again, little drop here. I have this rap where it's like double noon. You can call it 100, you know, double noon, two noons. The letter noon equals 50. And so 50, 50, that's 100. So that's all the way, all the way. And, um, you know, the... Incredible Talmud, uh, up the ante on it by saying double noon, you can call it Nathan and Naomi. And uh, those are two of our turned up lapides that truly do go all the way, and it's amazing. So, anyway, sidetracking my sidetracking. Wow.
I'm just, I'm that excited. Okay, so under 50, it says Shavuot is the only festival not referenced by a specific date in the Jewish lunar calendar. So if you read the Torah, you're not going to say, see where Shavuot occurs. Like it's not going to say in the third month on the 15th day or the seventh day or the sixth day or the first day. You're not going to see any of that. What you will see, though, it says that um, you shall count for yourself 50 days and specifically the day after the seven weeks of counting, which is the counting of the Omer, which, by the way, Hoxamayach to everyone, because we're still in the festival of the Omer. It's season of first fruits right now. We're definitely rejoicing in the resurrection. Uh, didn't, didn't know Jews celebrated the resurrection, but now you know. Okay, I'll break that down, Bezrat Hashem, if I don't get sidetracked. Okay, and I don't have you here to be like, hey, share that resurrection drop. But anyway, um, so the way that you know Shavuot is here is if you count your Omer. The only way you can count your Omer is if you celebrate Pesach. And the only way you can celebrate Pesach is if you enter into the covenant. The only way to enter into the covenant is to enter into Torah. The only way to enter into Torah is to enter into Yeshua. The only way to enter into Yeshua is to enter into Hashem, which is to enter in by His Spirit. And how does one do that? Well, first, you got to hear about it. You got to know about it. You got to make the decision. You got to know in your heart. And you got to walk it out. So once you believe and confess with your mouth, then that causes action. You know, because one who says they want to be a firefighter, you know, you can say you want to be a firefighter, but did you fill out the application? Did you go through the training? And did you get the certifications? And did you start work? Did you get hired? Like all that kind of stuff, right? It's no different from the kingdom of Hashem. You can enter in right now. Tell Hashem you want to get going and, and start reading and, and studying his word and start praying and get connected to a community. Get get your conversion down. Go through your mikvah. Get circumcised if you're a guy. Yep, you got to. I'm, there's just nowhere around that. Um, not going to get into that. It's too much of a cutting edge conversation. But in this book of Numbers, though, about the number 50, Shavuot is the only festival not referenced by a specific date in the Jewish lunar calendar. Its classification as Zeman Matan Torah. I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. First letters, Zayin, Mem, Tav. So we got uh, 447. And then we got 8 plus 7, 15. That is Yod and Hey, which is an acronym of Mashiach, which is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Yod, Yeshua, the Hey, HaMashiach. So Yod, Hey is Yah, which is the first part of the divine name of Hashem. The, this world was made with the Hey. The world to come is made with the Yod. So the two worlds being together is Yod Hey. That's Yah. That's Zaman Matan Torah. The time of the giving of the Torah, which is 50 days after Pesach. Man, I love numbers. Probably hadn't figured that out by now. But anyway, 
the time of the giving of the Torah is what Zaman Matan Torah translates into. Some of y'all are probably like, I have no idea what you're doing right now, but now you know. Okay, so now. The, uh, the giving of the Torah is recorded as day 50 after the Exodus. This firmly establishes Shabbat as the climax of the Exodus. Captain Yisrael dropped in his shur, saying that Shabbat is the Havdalah to the Arab Shabbat of Pesach. So if you were looking at Pesach and Shabbat, Pesach would be like Arab Shabbat and Shabbat would be like Havdalah. Man, he like completely just blew that up. And that was lit. Okay, but anyway. So the climax of the Exodus. And so I love too, because the commentaries always say that um, Pesach is an eight day festival. But it's just got 49 days from the seventh day to the eighth day. So, you know, that's kind of cool. And so that would be like, I got to do more math again because I'm on this math kick here. So I apologize to me. Go to this. Get my handy dandy calculator. Because we got seven days of Pesach. Right, and we add that to the 49, and then that's 56, but then we add the one, because the 50th day, we get 57, and then <clears throat> 57 is, let's see what 57 is over here. I'm gonna do Gematria on the fly. 57, give me some 57. Fifty-seven. Sleeka. Fifty-seven. Appreciate your patience. Bonnet to Bill Mizbeach, the altar. <laughs> uh, the son, get out of here! Get out of here right now! Literally, ha ben, hey, bet, noon is 57. What? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know what to do with myself right now. I'm kind of in shock. This doesn't help either because it says that the Gematria 57 is also okel, which is food or to eat. So, uh, that's just uncalled for. Oh my word. The altar, the sun, and eating. I can't help but think of Mashiach saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And then we are talking about going from Pesach, which is his flesh and blood, to Shabbat, which is just the feast of first fruits. That's when you bring in the full-blown leaven loaf, like the fully developed man. The one new man thing, and I mean, I'm just like, oh my goodness gracious. Why do I keep looking up more Gematrias? I have no idea, but, oh my goodness. Really? Okay, I gotta look this up. Okay, Devarim 25.5. This is the final Gematria, I promise, and I won't drag you along anymore. Okay, I gotta click on... 
I have like a little interlinear thing going on over here. So, dividing 25, 5. And I'm looking up this word, yevama, which is where the word yevamot comes from. And it literally means uh, brothers of the duty, which comes from the Leverite marriage, where if your brother dies and his wife is childless, and after three months, if she's not pregnant from the husband who passed, then um, the wife is brought before the um, the rulers at the gate of the city and they're to make the uh, the wedding. And the, the brother who is alive can say, yes, I will marry her and perpetuate my brother's name or I will spit in his shoe and throw it across the room because made my brother's name be wiped out. So that's kind of awkward because that shoe comes from the leather shoes that were used from the money gained from the sale of Yosef, which was not good. But anyway, it's a long backstory to say this. Yevama is in Devarim 25.5. And it says, let me go to the English because I'm reading the Hebrew. <clears throat> if brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. Now that uh, mitzvah was uh, suspended because people were so immoral that they were just kind of like, yeah, bro, I hope you pass away so I can take your hot wife. And so that wasn't good. So, uh, yeah. So that was discontinued, and obviously you see why. Uh, so anyway, back over here. So, Yevama is in that verse, and it is used for the word embedding duty but let me just be oh it is the brother of the husband Yavam and it literally says the husband's brother a brother-in-law Yavam so a brother-in-law is a Yavam Yavama to do the duty so there's a tractate called Yavamot and it's about all that kind of stuff being dutiful so this whole thing with 50 is about duty and we've been talking about parsha behar bekukotai which are our duties and we're to do them we're to uphold them so if i can just get back to this reading here it says so in relationship to god and israel the giving of the Torah at Sinai is termed on your wedding day. So 50 is about a wedding day. It's about getting married. Your hearing page is flipped because I'm looking up the source. It says Shir Hashirin 311. Uh, yeah, so I don't have Mayam Loez Shir Hashirin yet, but I will. And uh, that would have been more violent. But anyway... All of that from the very first verse of Tehillim 112, which is this week's Tehillim on the Parsha, talking about Abraham. So anyway, 
giving of the Torah 50 days, and that's rejoicing and desiring Hashem's mitzvot immensely. May ode, which is like with a lot, you know. So anyway, so if you do the mitzvot with joy, here's the the uh, commentary on Tehillim 112.1 from the Midrash on the Tehillim. It says, he fears God, i.e. he fears transgressing the negative mitzvot. The negative mitzvot are the do nots. So do not work on Shabbat. Um, do not eat anything that is unclean. You know, do not serve other idols. Do not make an image, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So he fears transgressing the negative mitzvot and desires to fulfill the positive mitzvot immensely. And then Captain Yisrael brought this out too by saying that, you know, you want to, you uh, are halakhically a positive mitzvah trumps a negative mitzvah. So if Hashem says to do this, if there is something that says don't, that's connected to that, like for some reason there is a halakha about not driving on Shabbat and no one knows who made that halakha up but it's been like a common custom practice within Judaism and obviously that would have came within the last century or so because you know back during the time of Mashiach walking on the earth there were no cars and so how did people get to shul obviously they walked but yeah you know get what i'm saying so anyway so there's this do not drive thing which is not really a torah commandment because nowhere in the torah does it says do not drive on shabbat but i know that you can derive other uh mitzvot like not kindling a fire and all that kind of stuff but you're still in the do nots because hashem said you are to gather on the shabbat and that's a positive mitzvah and because you want to gather so much you would drive and go to shul because if you don't drive and go to shul how are you going to have shul how are you going to encourage your brothers how are you going to be yavama how are you going to be brothers of duty you know if you're sitting at home by yourself on live stream or whatever so don't want to get into all of that but anyway just positive mitzvah like really up on that like ready to do it check this out so the word me'od, mem, aleph, dalit. That is the gematria of 45, which is the gematria of Adam, which is the gematria of the blood of Hashem. So when you take an aleph and put it in the dam, which dam is blood, dalit, mem. So aleph, dalit, mem, which is Hashem, is the aleph. And then Dom is the blood. So when you take a Shem and put it with the blood, you become man, which is the first Adam, right? Because Adam, Adam, that's how you translate it. So tell me why there's a second Adam and we are all in that second Adam to be brought forth with life. And the second Adam is literally Hashem and the blood. So, but anyway, uh, just thought that was crazy because now when you look at that, it says that in the commandments of Hashem, you desire with the blood of the Adam, the second Adam, namely the olive blood. Okay, so that was uncalled for. Okay, but anyway, the commentary brings in some midrash and it says mitzvot with joy. 
This psalm alludes to Abraham, who was not, I told you earlier, but yeah. Uh, this psalm alludes to Abraham, who was known for his fear of Hashem and his commitment to the mitzvot. So when it says that you're a son of Abraham, you know, because the father, if you've seen the son, you've seen the father. If you've seen the father, you've seen the son kind of thing. Right. The father and the son have got to match up, you know, as far as character, as far as desires, goals. Right. Perpetuate that thing. Right. So if you're a son of Abraham, chances are you would fall under one who fears Hashem and has a commitment to all the mitzvot. And in parentheses, it puts Bereshit 22.12. Oh, there's your Akidah reference again. There's your uh, Behar. Okay. And then uh, Bereshit 26.5. Because I'm curious. I'm going to look up Bereshit 22.12. Okay. Doing an awful lot of sidetracking. But it's good. I like it. I'm going to stop being on myself about sidetracking. Because you know what? It's a joy to do this, and I'm grateful that Hashem has given me illumination here. Okay. Vayomer al Tishlak Yatkal. Get out of here. Okay. Vayomer al Tishlak Yatka et Hanaar ve alta aslo me uma ki ata yadati ki yere adonai ata velo chasata et binka et yakitka mimeni. What did I just say? Well, I said, and he said, who is he? The angel of Hashem, which is Mashiach, or a.k.a. Memtet. Lay not your hand on the lad, neither do anything to him. For now I know that you fear Hashem and have not withheld your son, your only one, from me. Okay, et yakitka, that means only begotten son, and literally et, aleph tav, Yeshua, the only begotten son. So now we see that the son is the only begotten son, which is Mashiach, who will be the actual Akidah when he is uh, brought to earth to be on the crucifixion stake. The crucifixion stake is an Akidah. The Midrash Rabbah says that the Akidah is patterned after a crucifixion scene just I know just how how can that be right anyway so fearing Hashem and committed to his mitzvot is typed and patterned in the Akidah specifically about not laying a hand on the on the lad and killing him so not going through with sacrificing Yitzhak and it's basically this I read this in Lakute Sakot like two or three Torah portions ago. I think it was like Parsha Shemini. And it was saying that the joy of the mitzvot is what Abraham was all about. And anytime Hashem commanded him to do something, he was happy to fulfill the command. It wasn't that he was happy with the circumstances, he was happy with the commands. So for this scenario, when he did not have to sacrifice his son, he was happy about it, not because he didn't have to sacrifice his son, but because he was able to do another mitzvah. That's what we got to get instilled into us as followers of Mashiach, is that 
we need to take joy off of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father, which are the mitzvot. Like, I mean, I don't know how else to say it. And if we're children of Abraham, we need to be known for this. Mashiach says you will be known by your love. What love will we be known by? It's not just, oh man, I love you, because the nations can do that. People who are non-Jewish can be known by their love. But only Jews can be known by mitzvot. So let's talk about what love really is, because loving someone is being able to be there for them when you really don't want to be there for them. Care about them when you really could care less about them. Because Hashem says that we're to love our neighbors, we love ourselves. And so, you know, love is such a heavy word. Love equals 13 in Hebrew. A lot of people don't like 13 in English, but in Hebrew it's a wonderful uh, number because 13 is also Echad, which is what Hashem is. And so if you think about love and you think about one, love being Hashem, you're just supposed to be one with those who you love. You're supposed to um, be that oneness is predicated off of the oneness of Hashem, i.e. the way Hashem loves is the way that we should love. And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how else to put that. We got to love and we that that's fulfilling the mitzvot with joy. And Mashiach says in Yochanan 14, if you love me, you will know if you will keep my commandments. Why? Because you love me. You're you're like a chad with me. You're like, man, if you think blue is awesome, I think blue is great. I will decorate everything in blue because I, I know you love blue. So if Hashem says, I need you to eat kosher, which means look for some hectares, you're going to be like, man, I will paint my house with hectares. Like, what you talking about? Anyway, we got to get to a place of joy with the mitzvot. So Hashem help us. I mean, fill us with your Ruach HaKodesh because the Ruach HaKodesh brings us joy. It is that oil of joy, that oil of gladness. That is the Ruach HaKodesh. That is the word of Hashem. So if you're not joyful about the mitzvot, recheck your source. Where's your oil being poured from? You know, so connect with Hashem. This is a great time to do another sidestep. Because I had a coworker that was saying, you know, are you trying to convert people? Because I was talking about a possible Lapid initiative uh, in another region of our Metroplex and how, you know, we're just going to put things in proper context and, and share some uh, insights from Torah and how Torah and Yeshua match up coincidentally, which coincidence is not a Hebrew word, but I wasn't going to say it like that. But anyway. And the coworker was like, are you going to convert people? And I was like, no, I'm not going to convert people because what's good? What good is a person converting to Judaism if they don't love Hashem? If they're not joyful about the mitzvot, if they're not joyful or filled with the spirit of Hashem, you know, like that's not a good candidate for a convert. Second of all, I didn't tell her this. So I'm, that's why I'm saying it now, because I can get it all out. Second of all, only Hashem can make a convert. My job in this is to put the message out there. So, and and, and be a uh, shofar of Hashem. Hashem says, you have a shofar voice. You are to go up on the mountaintops and announce the good news to all men. So that's just what I'm doing. So I'm announcing good news. 
So, yeah. So conversion is not at the top of my list for telling people, hey, you like this message? Convert. <laughs> I mean, it's part of it. I hope you convert. But, you know, if you don't understand, then don't convert. But when you do and when you're seeking, then you convert because you love Hashem by that point. That's what I did. That's what I hope other people do. So, anyway. <sighs> Back to the Midrash Tehillim. It says, He did the mitzvot. Abraham did the mitzvot. Not as one forced by a king, but with joy. He desired his commandments immensely. When God commanded him to leave his birthplace, he did so with joy. Which, by the way, that's the uh, the verse that correlates to my name. Uh, that we read after the Shimoni Esrei says you can read a verse that contains the letters of your name and my verse is about Hashem calling Abraham from Ur Kasdim and naming him Abraham so that was like a joyful thing and I did get to change my name and I got to leave my house of my father and the house of non-Jewishness and come into Hashem's house of Jewishness and be like this is so great. Oh my goodness. But anyway, it says when God commanded him to leave his birthplace, he did so with joy. When he was commanded to circumcise himself, he did not procrastinate. How many people would procrastinate? I know I would. I had a hard time doing hot to fight dumb breed. I ain't going to go there. Sorry to bring that up, but it's just just facts. Okay. Anyway, and did the mitzvah that very day. So the day he was told to circumcise himself, that was the day he did it. He didn't wait. Likewise, when God commanded him to circumcise Yitzhak, he did so with a celebration and with a feast, which is a lesson for all of us to perform the circumcision on our sons amid joy and celebration. Midrash Tehillim. Now, I love that because the Brit um, Milah is called a sacrifice. So you, as an Abba, get to sacrifice your one and only, well, probably not your one and only, because if you have multiple sons, but you get to sacrifice the son who you love to Hashem. Because when you get circumcised, you're saying, Hashem, I am now a a um, suitable candidate for a sacrifice. Like, i.e., I am now available to be a living sacrifice. So that starts at eight days. For animals and for children. So, Brugashem, you know, we're all living sacrifices, right? Especially the when we enter into covenant with him. So, um, it's intense. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Okay, back to the book of Numbers. Number seven. Just wanted to drop some things about the Shabbat and cycles of time. Um, because Benny B brings this up too in his article about uh, Parsha Bihar and he talks about how time is in a circle and it's not linear and how we're going back through the same feast, the same uh, spiritual awareness each year but on a higher plane with the help of Hashem it's on a higher plane because you know every time you celebrate Pesach you want to do better than the previous Pesach you also want to be more knowledgeable of Pesach and be able to glean more from Pesach, you know, so you're going around in a spiral and he talks about how this spiral is called a Fibonacci spiral. 
Fibonacci spiral is just fancy for saying it's like a shofar. And we're spiraling in this shofar, which is where the voice of Hashem is sounded from. So I thought that was really neat and cycles and circles and how every time you look at the Jewish calendar, it's always a circle. And so I'm like, what's the deal with this circle stuff? But anyway, um, which to go back to Captain Yisrael's Josh, he says that you can even read this in the Mesora publishing from Art Scroll for the festival of Shavuot. And it says that each Moedim that happens, each Moed, each appointed festival, it's called an appointed time and not just a holiday because whenever you come to that event, you have the same Kedushah as the event of when it originally happened. So that means that when it's time for Pesach, you're literally, it's like you're kind of in that same time space like if you're going around in the circle right so every time you hit the circle and you get to Pesach you're like when did the first Pesach happen it's like you're there that spiritually is happening so now as we're headed up to Shavuot we're about to step into a time with the help of Hashem where that is spiritually happening while it's happening right now so we're having this overlay of centuries and, and years of Shavuot's that are happening at one time and that's called a Moedim and so that's the cycles and the patterns that we're in so I mean that's absolutely crazy so I, I mean man you know that's kind of intense because the first Shavuot um, people died and resurrected like at least 10 times because every word that Hashem spoke the people would die and then the spirit of Hashem would re resurrect them. So anybody who tells you that Jews don't know about resurrection, they need to study Shavuot. They also need to study Akedah. But I digress. Beautiful thing about circles. But anyway, I'm excited for Shavuot. I think it'll be a killer time because it'll be a lively event. But anyway, the seven days of the week culminates in Shabbat as creation proudly proclaims the mastery of its creator. Captain Yisrael brought this down too a couple weeks ago in his drosh, and he was saying, you know, when you keep the Shabbat, you're proclaiming that Hashem is the creator of the world. You're submitting to him as creator. So if you don't celebrate the Shabbat, or if you change the Shabbat, you're telling Hashem, he's not the creator, you are. And he needs to sub subjugate himself to you. So that was kind of heavy because... Um, that was Rabbeinu Bakia talking about like changing the feast is a problem because you're supplanting the word of Hashem. You're saying, yeah, Hashem, I know what you wrote and what you said is like eternal and all, but me being so finite and so, um, so much more understanding, uh, you know, cause my ways are higher than your ways. Yeah. You're just rewriting everything. So that's not good. I'm going to stop talking about that. That's terrible. Ugh. Oy. Okay, anyway, often characterized as Shabbat Kodesh, the holy Shabbat as a day holy to God, man, together with all seven parties of his household, really, there are seven categories to the household, just get out of here, so it's a seven, celebrating the seven, wow, sevenfold celebrations, okay, these, they set aside his work and weekly pursuits to spend the day sanctifying all his activities. He create. 
or he consecrates, he sets apart the seventh day by reciting the Kiddush, literally sanctification, related to the word Kedushah over a cup of wine. And this is why Mashiach had this cup when he said, this is the cup of the covenant. You know, I'm instituting this renewal right now. Like, there's not a new covenant. It's just I'm renewing that you get to be with me. You get to have eternal life. You get to walk in joy. You get to overcome death and you get to be free from sin. Like, if you drink this cup, you know, you're set apart now. You're mine. And interestingly enough, in Judaism, when a man offers a woman a cup, like in their dating and uh, leading headed towards marriage, possibly, um, that one of the ways to propose is to sip from the cup and then offer it to the woman. And when she drinks, no one else gets to drink from that cup. You know, it's just you and her now, you know, so that's kind of her way of saying, yes, I'll marry you. So when we drink of this cup that Mashiach is holding up, we're saying, yes, Mashiach, we will marry you. We will have a new wedding day and um, be renewed and we'll be with you. So we'll be set apart and consecrated. Nobody else is going to offer us wine that we want to drink because it's probably unkosher anyway. Anyway, so it's over a cup of wine which consecrate the Shabbat. That's the Kiddush. It's a beautiful prayer. Uh, it says, during the Shabbat day, there are a minimum of seven men called up to read the Torah. The seven Aliyot. Each Torah portion is split up into seven Aliyot, seven sections, seven readings, seven daily portions. So you got the seven reading the seven on the day where the seven celebrate the seventh. Just backtracking. Okay. Then it says, let me jump down here. The Jewish festivals are termed Mikra'e Kodesh, calling forth of holiness. You're summoning holiness. Captain Israel said this in his drosh too. I think it was Parsha. Yeah, it was Parsha Moore. He was just bringing this down. It was just like... <gasps> Wow. So log on to mysarshalom.com. Check out the Emor Parshadrash from Rabbi Griffin. I like to call him Captain Israel because that's what he is to me. He's my rabbi. He's my rebbe. He's my get you some homeboy, homeboy, most respected uh, in my heart kind of thing. So anyway, check that drosh out. I promise you will lose your mind. Hopefully you get a new one and a new heart where the Torah can be written on it. Anyway. So the Mikra'e Kodesh, the calling forth of holiness, it says of the three pilgrimage festivals, Pesach and Sukkot last for seven days. The pilgrimage festivals means you travel to Jerusalem for these festivals. So the Pesach and the Sukkot, the Aleph and the Tav of these three festivals, you celebrate for seven days. Then it says with the festival's laws, not eating chametz, or dwelling in a sukkah observed during this period. So it's interesting on Pesach, you're not supposed to have chametz in your dwellings, but when you get to Sukkot, you're supposed to have chametz because the only reason you get to say the blessing of entering the sukkah is because you're gonna eat bread in the sukkah. So, yeah. The Amasink Hassan, our Shomer Spider-Man character, uh, brought that down. That was webbed to the face. Uh, anyway, uh, says that due to the original uncertainty in the diaspora of the appearance of the new moon 
An eight-day festival is observed outside of the land of Israel today. So that's where the eight-day confusion on the Hebrew calendar may come from because of the diaspora. So if you just follow Israel's calendar, keep it biblical. Then it says, though Shabbat does not last for seven days, its name refers to seven weeks in which the cycle of seven weeks of seven days and the interval between Pesach and Shavuot occurs. So seven is a is a really big thing. So we're talking about Behuko Tai being the Gematria of 520, which five plus two plus zero is seven. In the statutes of Hashem, you're inside of all these sevens, which happens on the mountain. So... Um, let's see, pull up my nifty notepad here. Probably so far from my notes that I don't even know where to go anymore. I do know where to go. Drop some Lakute Sikot uh, from Bihar. It says, Why is divine service necessary at all? Let us give everything as a reflection. Let God give us everything as a reflection of His beneficence. We are taught that the world was created because of the divine initiative to act benevolently to his created beings. Since God is the ultimate good and it is the nature of the benevolent to act kindly, why shouldn't he grant his creations everything they need without demanding anything in return? In response, Hasidut explains that the ultimate expression of kindness is to have the recipient earn the good which he receives. A gift dispensed without uh, earn, which is called gratis, uh, it says without the recipient having to exert himself is regarded as bread of shame. God desires to give the Jews the ultimate good. Therefore, he structured the world in such a manner that they earn divine influence. Don't confuse this with working for your salvation. Just get that out. Get Hagar and her son out of here. Have no association with the slave woman, okay? We're not working for salvation. We don't get to work for anything. We were slaves. Hashem made us free. What do you do with freedom? You use it responsibly. How do you use it responsibly? Serve Hashem. Follow the law. You know that us following the law here in America is freedom. So how could it be any different in the kingdom of Hashem where he says, if you keep my Torah, you will walk in life and blessing. So anyway, um, your salvation is before you observe because you can't work if you don't have a yoke. Talked about that in the last drosh. So I won't go back over that again. But accepting God, well I guess I will because Lakute Sikot says so accepting God's yoke as expressed in the observance of the mitzvot implies that God takes an active role in a Jew's divine service why maybe because Matthew 11 Yeshua says take my yoke upon you which means I'm there with you I'm walking with you Chassis brought down in the Haftarah that when uh, when we study Torah, that Hashem descends and studies Torah with us. So 
Hashem is with us as we're doing the mitzvot. But you don't do the mitzvot if you don't love Hashem. Let's go back to Tehillim 112. If you're not joyful about it, if you're not like Abraham, what are you doing? Just stop it. Get some help. Right? So the only reason you're doing anything is because you, you've had something done for you. You know, like those who love greatly are those who have been greatly loved. You've been greatly forgiven. You know, God loved you so much and he forgave you of so much that he gave himself. And because of that, why we need to give ourselves. It's called measure for measure. You know, if someone does something nice for you, don't you want to do something nice for them in return? At least write them a thank you note, which, by the way, is doing something. So anyway, tell I don't have any strong feelings about this. So it says this is hinted at in the blessing we recite before performing a mitzvah. Yeah, because we say a blessing because we have a yoke. Zohar Behar 3 talks about that. But anyway, when we praise God who sanctified us with his mitzvot, Asher Kachanu B'Mitzvotav, i.e. the mitzvot we perform are his mitzvot. He also performs them. Okay, that was crazy. All right, let's go to Behukotai. Got about less than 15 minutes. See if I can do it. Behukotai. G shekel. So there's a guy named Gadai Ephraim. And he is a wonderful source that I've come to be attached to and love. And um, he calls himself a Talmud of Yeshua, Mashiach. And so uh, he's all about gathering in all of the lost sheep which is what Yeshua Mashiach wanted to do and it just so happens he's crazy sourced on his commentary for the week of the Torah portion so I call him G Shekel because I can't call him G Money because that don't translate into Hebrew but if you do G Shekel that's like a Gimel Shekel you know oh yeah, I think you got a new name G Shekel sorry I just renamed you Gimel Shekel here G Money, homeboy, homeboy, brother in the faith, a Yavama, I should say, a brother who is of the duty of the Torah. In Bechukotai, he has a section of his notes where he is um, quoting Rabbi Abraham Greenbaum. And it says this After the end of the Babylonian exile, the return to the land and the building of the second temple, new challenges to the authority of the Torah arose. <laughs> yeah, you can believe that. You ain't heard of Torah before and all of a sudden now we got this thing that we got to do. Yeah, that sounds way too familiar. I don't know. Like I grew up in the church and thought I knew JC and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, but wait, there's this thing called the Torah that he has on his arm and he's handing it out to you. Just so happens that's the throne of Hashem and just happens you have to get a conversion and you follow him and all this kind of stuff. Because you say you love him and you say believe in him. So we got that taken care of. You got your salvation. But, you know, you got to finish out the process. So, yeah, this relates quite a bit to this over here. So authority of the Torah had some challenges. 
And it says, such as from those who denied the afterlife or the oral law, i.e. the oral Torah, the Talmud, Jewish literature, or they denied the giving of the Torah at Sinai. Okay, so consider the source. Anyone here who is challenging the authority of the Torah, chances are they don't believe in the afterlife. They don't believe you're anything's going to happen to you after you die. Uh, they don't believe in the oral law, which if you don't believe in the oral Torah, you can't believe in the written Torah because what does it mean to keep the Shabbat and make it holy? The only way you find that is in the oral talk, Torah. How do you even know what circumcising means? Circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. Like, what's that process involved? probably don't want to but how do you find out where what does it mean to um, slaughter animals uh, according to the way I showed you on the mountain because that's something Hashem said that's in the old Torah it's called shokit it's called shachita it's kosher slaughter okay anyway that's all oral Torah then it says you denied giving the Torah at Sinai you're not even married to Hashem so yeah, you don't want the Torah because you don't, you're not married to him. So if you're anti-Torah and you say you love Hashem, uh, this is the categories that you put yourself in because that's the categories of the people who say, what is this Torah? It's not my, not my boss. But anyway, among the most notorious enemies of the Torah were those who Hellenized who became Greek, they deconverted to, and that these people Hellenized in the second temple period, which by the way, Mashiach, when he walked on the earth, that was during the period of the second temple, during a whole lot of time where Jews were saying they were Jews, but they weren't. So who was he really talking to? And who was he really to uh, slang term it? Who was he really getting on or getting at or getting crunk on? Okay, so think about this because Hellenization is like a big deal, and then you got the Roman government like buying all of the temple positions, like the Levites and the Kohen Gadol, which those are supposed to come from tribes, and the uh, Kohen Gadol is supposed to be sons of Aaron. You can't buy that position, but anyway, and it says that. Um, they Hellenized in the Second Temple period when it was politically correct to be Greek. The festival of Hanukkah commemorates this miraculous saving of the authentic Torah pathway from the assault of the Greek culture. So if you celebrate Hanukkah, that means like you're pushing back against Hellenization. You're pushing back against this whole like Torah is not for today idea. So anyway, so... I, I think that's a great uh, cause for eating fried donuts. During the long exile, since the destruction of the second temple, the Jews have remained faithful to the Torah of Moshe. And, you've, and we've been surrounded until today by a most formidable cultural assault against our own tradition from the two younger sister religions. Wow wonder what he's talking about and 
So I know you just called them girls. That's probably not going to go over really well. It's going to be like a lead balloon. The two younger sisters, Christianity and Islam. Wow. Younger sisters, because guess what? Judaism was first. It's a firstborn. Yeah, there was this whole thing called Torah before there was ever a thing called church or a mosque. Yep. And by the way, the word church is not used in the Bredadashah. It's synagogue, which is synagogue. The Talmudim didn't go to church. Yeshua didn't go to church. Moshe didn't go to church. The word church actually came from Kehilah or Edut and, or Adat, Slika, which means gathering of people. And that was what was in the wilderness. And that's what was supposed to come through Ephraim and Manasseh, the sons of Yosef, which means through Yeshua. Ephraim is called the name of the Messiah. So through Messiah, the congregation will be built. So you have the Yehudim and the converts coming together, one new man through the Messiah. That's that whole picture. But anyway, not Christianity. Sorry. Um... And it says, this, or this two, these two have gained the ascendancy and taken all glory, parading their own alternative Torahs in the face of Moshe. Facing the facts, face to face, head to head battle. Who's going to win? Will it be the false Moshe's, which are really Moshe'inas because they're called two little sisters? Or will it be the real Moshe? Will the real Moshe please stand up? We are. It's called the P. Now, finish this last little paragraph. I'm running out of time. Man, they don't give me enough time. It says, so in this way, the Torah of Sinai. So I skip some. It is understandable that over the generations, many Jewish souls subject to this cultural onslaught have fallen victim to the allurements of the surrounding religions. In addition, since the time of the European Renaissance and the age of reason, secularism has become a new alternative to any to a religion of any kind creating yet another allurement from the stringent code of judaism which looks more irrelevant than ever in the modern world how about that it's all about being more secular keeping up with the times being hip being cool in this way the torah of sinai has been apparently completely marginalized by almost the entire world the Sinai tradition is guarded by seemingly powerless networks of rabbis and their students sitting in the yeshivas, daily studying the oral tradition as brought down in the Talmud and by the numerically tiny proportion of the world's population who are Torah observant. How many Torah observant Jews you know, <laughs> right? Then it says, what love or what love is it that makes those who strive I keep skipping a paragraph what is it about the real Torah that makes those who love her cling to her even in the face of adversity on every side throughout the generations until today those who keep the Torah of Moshe and abstain from the 39 labors on the Shabbat have been the butt of every jester and jeer 
Meanwhile, Christianity and Islam and every other religion are on the ascendant, including the religion of Satanism and the universal religion of self-indulgence and material consumption. This is everything that takes place that is not on the mountain, by the way. If you're not on the mountain, that's what's going on. You're involved in some of this. Then it says, what love is it that makes those who strive to follow authentic Torah of Moshe continue day after day in the face of all this? How do we keep on going in Torah, even though her face is shrouded in a dark cover? For in this upside down world, the deeper meaning of Torah is not revealed. But if we keep studying, she will reveal her face to us. The way we keep going in Torah is to go on studying in Torah. And this is the meaning of Bekukotai, by the way. And the merit of our study of the book of Vayikra and our ongoing study of all five books of Moshe, may we be blessed with all future blessings, with, with, uh, with all the blessings of our parasha, if you go in my statutes, which is Im Bekukotai. Shabbat Shalom, Rabbi Abraham Yehoshua Greenbaum. Get you some. And I would also like to speak and say that what love is it that makes us go on? It's the love of Messiah. It's the heart of the King. So may that heart beat steadily and powerfully with inside of us because that is a fire that will consume and that is a mikvah that will purify. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Emet Vekaye Olam Natabetokenu Baruch Adonai Noten HaTorah Amen Shabbat Shalom over your Shabbat when it gets here and Shavuot Tov.